It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazy. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Brian, yes. it's a new year. <laughs> we got a new guests. It's so exciting. We got a new place. Yeah. This is really cool. We, six and a half years, we're in like Brian's office-ish thing. And now we're like official. Yeah. You're we stuck with me. TFC Productions has got a new new space over here. Like a and, big double office. And this is the first official podcast from the new podcast studio that I literally brought in my car like and here about an hour ago. Paint cans and are in the other I, room. Like, you know, I, I, I just kind of loaded up what we need for today. And uh, you we know. just got in like a day ago. So it, this is going to be the most amazing place ever. But you know, things take time, just like, right. uh, you know, if you're going to be successful in anything. And we uh, want you to be successful. And we have an amazing guest for really you Really awesome, awesome guest to kick off 2024. Woo, Yusuf Koja is here. <laughs> singing it. <laughs> I am. I had a chance to hear him speak last summer at CamFit Pro. Um, our amazing friend, um, Mo Hagen, she puts together an event called the Women Who Influence, and it takes place the day before CamFit Pro starts. And CamFit Pro, the biggest conference for fitness, wellness, whatever, in Canada. I love it. I love presenting there, but um, had a chance to go the year before, and this year I was like, I'm going back. It's that good. It's just these amazing, empowering people come in, and while Yusuf is not a woman, which we established um, in the show, that he is so good that he was invited to come in to speak at this Women Who Influence event, and he is here today to talk about his story and his 30 years of producing and presenting conferences and events around the world and working with like I, I couldn't even jot down all the people he rattles off of who he has worked with and between you know Tony Robbins and it was like Bill Clinton and Oprah and Deepak, Chico, uh, Deepak Chopra and Ellen DeGeneres and like I couldn't even keep up it went on and on like I said um, in the show I was like he's so good those are some heavy hitters yeah, you're working with man he laid it out um, but you know just but very succinct and he's uh, he's great at what he does and getting his message across because he's a great star storyteller and he's fine-tuned his craft and he helps others do the same mm-hmm. and he likes to speak about that uh he's a now soon to be published author the book is finished it's coming out mm-hmm. soon and and you know the it, it, it's just a really fun for us to be a part of right the, a conversation like this we love podcasting like, like, you know look we do book you know, we booked the guests and Christine obviously had, had met him in, in Canada. And, you know, but it was like, man, if we like just went into a coffee house and we said, hey, look, you know, you're sitting next to us at the chairs here. What do you do? And then here we go. And, you know, it, it's one of those conversations where it's just fun and, and uh, he does a great job for us and we're forever grateful. And uh, you are going to love, um, he does give out a whole bunch of golden nuggets about what he does and speaking and and really how to be successful and resilient. And uh, I don't want to give it away. Yep. That's it. That's it. Get a pen and a pad. If you're looking to build an audience or speak in front of an audience or just uh, communicate a little bit better, uh, this is a good one for you. Peace and love, everybody. Enjoy 2024 and this episode. Let's do it.
2024, <laughs> our two big crazies, uh, tribe and, and people across the world. It is another amazing year. And Brian, how you doing today? I'm good. I I, I never know how you're gonna cr- start mm-hmm. us off here, and uh, and that was a good surprise. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you it's know. good. We don't rehearse anything ever, pretty much. So you know, it's just a matter of uh, all right. What's what's Christine's mood today? And boy, that was good. It's, I needed that. It's been. I, I was actually reflecting a little bit as I'm getting a new notebook because I love to take notes as I as we talk to all of our guests, and and I'm like, wow, this is. 2024, like that, we're gonna. This summer is gonna be seven years, right? Of, of podcast of, of, yeah. of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's this right. is insane. This is crazy. So, so exciting. And, um, we're gonna be talking about all the new things coming up this year, including our new location. <laughs> um, this is pretty cool, which we'll talk about later. But, um, we have to get right into this because we have an amazing guest to kick off. Our 2024 year and Yusuf Koja, how are you? I am amazing. Happy New Year to you, the both of you, and to all of your incredible listeners. So, listeners, I know you're in for a wonderful treat today. And I was saying off the air before to Yusuf that I had an experience to hear him speak. Over the summer, and one of my favorite conferences in the whole world, which you can't tell the other conferences right now, uh, one of the best in the world is CanFit Pro. And, of course, our good friend Mo Hagen is involved, and, and Patch, and everyone is amazing there. And they treat the speakers and the presenters like, like they should be treated. And you were a part and a, and a keynote speaker at – the the day before this begins, there's a conference called the or or a wonderful day called the Women Who Influence. Now, what's interesting is that I know that you know you're not a woman. <laughs> I I mean, let's just I'm just gonna throw that out there, um, just to dispel the myths. But you were one of the speakers that day, and you were amazing. You were awesome. You were moving. You were poignant, and I was like, "Yep, I got to talk to him because I, I people who fascinate me, we got to get them on our show and out to our listeners around the world." So I'm so happy that you agreed to be a part of our show. And where are you coming to us today from? Well, first and foremost, uh, I have to say that I have been influenced by a lot of powerful women throughout my life. So I was. It was a pleasure to be a part of that event. And the event took place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, which is where I'm based out of. I, You know what? I love – we were just talking about this the other day with a friend who's not even in the fitness industry or everything about Toronto, mm-hmm. about Canadians in general and our love and how I get to speak to – we get to speak to so many awesome Canadian fitness professionals and uh, professionals in general and, and experts and things. And it's just uh, – it's nice – it's a little cold up in Toronto, I take it, at this time, right? We're not so bad. Well, it's unusually mild for as far as this time of the year is concerned. I did hear you referencing summer coming up, and as long as I think of summer, I stay warm. Let's put go. it that way. That's right. That's right. We can always go there. I'm a, I'm a girl who loves to visit Toronto in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, I always smart say, decision. I always say Canada's so awesome that if if it were opposite, it was south of us, like it was in Mexico, we'd all be there, <laughs> right? I think I think for a lot of us that that those cold months are, are just a deterrent enough, but uh, but not really. We got good stuff. It's good. The winter's good. Change of seasons is great. You know, we need that. Do we? Okay. <laughs> so let's go back. I, I love the warmth. That's why I'm like, okay, it's fine. How the heck did you get picked or asked to speak at Women Who Influence? Let's start there. Well, I was involved in designing or we'll call it redesigning the look and feel of that event. So my background is I've spent 30 years in producing and presenting at international leadership and wellness events. So I have a lot of experience both on the back end side of producing events that create engagement and identifying what the value proposition is, depending on the audience that we're looking to connect with. And of course, recognizing the importance of topics around diversity, equity, inclusion, I thought it would be really valuable, as did Mo and the other committee members that we include and represent diversity in the lineup of presenters and speak to topics that will allow us to connect as human beings rather than focusing on individual or gender types. What's the collective purpose behind the event? And was very fortunate to be able to nominate certain speakers to be a part of that event. And of course, to be included of it in it was definitely a highlight. Awesome. So we know who to talk to if we want to try and get in to speak. <laughs> we got a guy. <laughs> you just incriminated yourself yeah, nah, about that. Well, hey, look. Well, Christine, it's... stop emailing me. Jeez. Jeez. I've Kidding. got it too. Kidding. Uh, yep. Oh man. So let's 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 kind of peel the onion back a little bit of so 30 years. You have to love what you do. You have to love this. How did you get into what you're doing? I mean, obviously you don't say, "Hey, I'm going to go to school and this is what I'm majoring in." Take us back to how this how this played out. Well, to answer your, or your question or address your comment, yes, I absolutely love what I do. And good segue to talk about schooling. So this was not what I intended to do. My chosen profession when I went to school was to become a lawyer. And I did an undergrad degree in psychology and law at a university based in Ottawa. And I recognized that I liked it both the psychology aspect of understanding human beings and the law in terms of the organization and the rules around what to do and what not to do. I didn't get into law school, and my mentor at the time had suggested that I use the opportunity to explore other interests that I have, which was, of course, based around positive psychology. Around that time, my older brother was dabbling in different types of businesses. He's a serial entrepreneur. And Tony Robbins, who was quite popular through his infomercials, if you recall, in the late 80s, early 90s, was doing an event in Toronto. And I was based in Ottawa at the time. So for your listeners, about a four and a half hour drive or commute. And we made the decision to go see Tony Robbins, who I'd never been introduced to before, except for those infomercials. This was my first live experience, and I was absolutely blown away by the content that he shared as well as the energy in the room and being connected with so many like-minded individuals. My brother had entered into agreements to work with Tony Robbins in promoting his some of his live events in 
Canada. And given that I was in a bit of a transition phase in my life, I liked the idea of working with my brother in terms of getting involved on the event side. And as a result of that, I learned a lot about various elements of self-development, growth, business development, relationship building, goal setting, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually we ended up growing that business into an international opportunity, for lack of a better word, that allowed us to work with Tony and attract some other incredible thought leaders, including the likes of former President Bill Clinton, Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres, Dr. Maya Angelou, Gloria Steinem, Leslie Stahl, Barbara Walters, Dr. Deepak Chopra, just to name a few. And so we developed that into an international event business. And from that, I was able to do a lot of traveling, meet some great individuals and learn a lot and transition that into some of the work that I do currently. How, how, this, that, that's a list that we call, that's what we call heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and look. Just it, laid it on the table right and there. Also, but also for good reason, positive thinkers and, and, you know, inspiring individuals and thought leaders and you name it. Um, you know, that's what we're getting out of that, that group. So you're in the right, you're in the right room, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's been an incredible journey. And as we all know, the journey always continues. So learning is a lifelong process. And I consider myself very fortunate to be surrounded by so many great thought leaders, but also individuals that I met along the way. We're talking literally hundreds of thousands of people over the course of 30 years, and I took the opportunity to meet with many of them, to network, to learn from their own stories of triumph and challenge, to figure out how are they navigating life, business, and the overall success definition, however we define it individually. So there were a lot of takeaways from people from all walks of life, so I'm very fortunate. I would... I would- I would say, and I'm not going to hesitate to say this, that from what, you know, from what you do and even, you know, Brian and I being podcasting, you know, we've had other careers and whatnot, but the almost seven years that we've been podcasting has been enlightening. It's been life changing. And like you said, meeting all these people and learning their stories and, and learning so much from other people, it's, it opens your eyes and, and the networks and the, the things that you learn just from communicating with people, I think is lost sometimes on this world. Whereas, you know, we go to school and we, we read the book and we take the test and we, you answer yes or no. And you, and it's like that, is that what life is supposed to be about? We, I was going to say that like almost the same thing. It's like the degree that we've received from this show right. and the degree that you've received from your career is far more valuable like for us at least i won't speak for you but it, it, you know than anything i could have gotten at university and you know that it would have cost me a lot more too well i think i think life is about perspective right there are a lot of individuals who invest a lot of time and energy and their learning and growth and whether it's through formal education i know personally family members and friends who've done quite well for themselves And yet there are others that I know who invest in those areas of growth and realize sometimes there's, there might be something missing. And so I think when we keep an open mind and look to other sources of information and through our own communities and networks, we really open ourselves up to finding out what creates fulfillment in our lives. And 
ultimately the value that we associate to that fulfillment is very subjective. Well, let's face it, we're here for a short time. So I think the onus on us is to say, hey, why well, it's great that I've achieved all of these things in my life, but the real measuring stick, at least from the people that I've been surrounded with for so many years, is fulfillment. And if you are fulfilled, keep finding ways to maintain that. And if you're not, then rather than saying what some people might say, I'm not cut out for this or I'm a failure, really use it as nature's calling to say, what are the areas that you need to explore further? And as long as we maintain that focus, eventually we're going to end up in a place where the result is probably going to be better than we expected. All right. I've got, I've got some, some questions for you right now. <laughs> now, I love the fact that you were talking about Tony Robbins because he is someone that I look to as, all right, what, you know, cause you're, I, I love to look and watch and what, to, what are people doing? And he's the, someone I look to as like, all right, I, I've had some terrible things in my life and, and I've had to overcome and, and be determined and work and this on and on. And, what people would people sometimes say you know oh christine what do you what do you want to do and what oh do you want to be like a tony robbins and i'm like no 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 i am tony <laughs> robbins like i am so it's you know it, like i own it i own you know you take the energy you take the resiliency and say listen one of the things i want to do and i always i speak a lot of things and they tend to come true which is frightening because you have to be careful what you wish for and say in life um but i always say i'm like i will open up for people like that. I am not that person. They are not me. But there is there is something there. The energy, the the stories and and I am curious because I know what I've taken away from listening to him and, and other people like him. I'm wondering when you were younger and you, you know, went to see him, what was was there a thing? Was there a moment? Did you have that epiphany there or did it take a while? I think the original first experience, there was a quite a wow factor. And the wow factor was a combination of, the, first of all, the sheer number of people. They were lined up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. We're talking roughly 5,000 people. The energy and anticipation in the room was quite electric. And then just to see him take the stage, if, for anybody who has seen him in person or even seen him, through video and so forth. He's pretty, pretty charismatic individual and somewhat of a larger than life figure. So the, the culmination of all of that for a first experience was pretty amazing. But I think what really had stickiness, if you will, was that the information shared was delivered in a way that could resonate with the audience, no matter where you were in life, whether you were a seasoned successful person and by successful, I mean financial success or other means of success, or you were just starting out as I was at the time. I think that the application of information in a way that you could take away value was really relevant. It was not, as I've seen in other instances where you'll see a presenter talk in terms of, you got to think positive, don't let don't let things get you down. And they speak in terms of accolades as, as opposed to specific strategies. I think accolades have their place, but you really need substance in order to experience sustainable growth and results. And I think he delivered that in, in spades. So do you, 
you know, when you left there and, you know, going forward, were you, were you always like, oh, I love to speak. I love to be on stage or was there, you know, was, was this also a process that, that developed over time or what do you think? What's interesting you asked that question because prior to being exposed to Tony, I remember as a young child entering into public speaking competitions at school and did really well. And then later in life, having to deliver a presentation to classmates when I was 17 or 18 years old and couldn't get my niece to stop knocking and <laughs> figuring out why am I so nervous in this situation? So I think what I've learned as a result of being introduced to people like Tony and so forth, is that we all have the ability to be great communicators and presenters. It's having some structure and understanding the emotional element of what goes into delivering a great presentation. There are very specific strategies that we can learn. And through practice, which is a really what I define as one of the most powerful characteristics of, of influencers and storytellers and communicators, however you want to define them, they practice their craft over and over and over again in so many different ways so that their end result, while it may seem incredible in that one moment, and it is incredible, they, they've realized that if I'm going to make mistakes, I'm going to make them in private. And then they just con continuously work on getting better. And that that's what I learned and what I when I work with clients, because I do consult with people in developing their presentation skills, it's the one point I emphasize to them is you're not going to be perfect. You'll perfect. Just focus on being better. I love that. Mm -hmm. Progress, 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 right? That's tangible. We can hang our hat on that. If we get better, we get better. That's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no other way around it. Uh, so that's that's the presentation part of it. What is the presentation? What is the expertise? What is it that you like to uh, you know to to talk about? What are the principles uh, uh, that you are really trying to get out there for other people to hear? Well, I appreciate you asking the question. I describe myself as a champion for positive change. I think over the thirty years I've been involved in the industry, the one thing that I've realized and that fascinates me is that. You can, and I'm going to generalize this to illustrate this point, but you can take two individuals that are exposed to the same resources in terms of education or opportunities for growth. And there are certain individuals who will t utilize that information to really elevate their level of performance to new heights. And granted, this does not happen overnight. This could take months, years, even decades. Yet through it all, they managed to maintain their focus to pursue that vision that they set for themselves and go on to produce extraordinary results. And at the same time, you can have another individual who is exposed to those exact same resources that has moments of success, but they tend to go back to the way things were before in terms of patterns of familiarity. And this is, this is the time of the year where you might see a lot of that happening around New Year's where people set their resolutions and some people will just... They'll be off to the races and some will probably regress a bit by the time April or May comes around. So I, I asked the question to myself, what's the difference between those two individuals in terms of how is it that it's possible two individuals can be exposed to the same resources and go on to produce entirely different results? And so what I've done is created what I call the principles of leadership excellence, which is really about identifying three core things, which I'm quite passionate about presenting on. The first and foremost is understanding 
what individuals may refer to as mindset. And mindset can be comprised of individuals' beliefs and their emotional blueprint in terms of how that drives performance. So the storyline that we create for ourselves, the conversation that we continuously have internally drives our actions. And those actions, of course, produce results, which we then internalize as experiences that end up shaping our beliefs, which in the long run end up becoming self-fulfilling prophecies. So how do we define beliefs in a way that support us in terms of what we want our lives to mean and our successes? And then the second part of that is, of course, the emotional side, because let's face it, it's easy to feel confident about the future when things are going well, but it's when adversity presents itself that we're really going to be tested. And I think the last three to five years for a lot of people likely were challenged in ways that they never imagined possible, whether it was homeschooling, their kids finding ways to transition their businesses to come up with new revenue streams, bringing in new talent to meet the growing expectations of clients, taking care of the elderly and trying to manage their own mental health throughout the entire process. And I think that if we look at the last three to five years as learning opportunities, we'll be able to discover what, how did our emotions play a role in terms of being able to navigate and cope. And so what I focus on is, you know, what are the emotional elements that we can utilize to support our mindset so that in unison with our storyline, we project energy that in turn sets in motion what many people have referred to as a law of attraction, where it creates opportunities as opposed to seeing the glass as half full. We now recognize it as, as sorry, as half empty. We now recognize it as half full instead the other side of those principles or the other elements of leadership excellence, if you will, then go on to really focus on things like interpersonal communication and recognizing that we live in a world where we have human connection is such an important part to having fulfillment and success. And how do we create elements of trust with the stakeholders that we deal with, whether it's within our own family, whether it's in the business or community. And then finally, the idea of creating a vision or setting goals for life. And I understanding that goals are not necessarily about attaining specific things, but really about setting a journey for a trajectory for where we want our life to go and recognizing the personal growth that we experience along the way, because we're not always going to achieve our goals, but we are certainly going to develop our skill sets along the way. So those are the elements that I really am focused on sharing specific tools and strategies around to help people uh, on their journey forward. That's uh, that's quite a mouthful. I'm just gonna throw that out there. That's a lot. That's a lot to uh, a lot to accomplish. What I have to say, what have you noticed has been the the most received from your from your talks? And I know that you know, as as someone who wants to affect change in the world, what have you seen? I think the information that is being received well is this notion of the term mindfulness is utilized a lot. So being present in the moment and recognizing what's going on in my head and how is my self-conversation affecting the way I feel? Because many people may have been raised with the notion that my destiny is created, or I'm either meant to accomplish things or I'm not meant to accomplish certain things. And then they carry on this self-dialogue, which tends to reinforce 
this notion of what they've been exposed to. So I think the idea of sharing the message that you are your reality, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who a number of your listeners might be familiar with, has talked about the fact that our personality equals our reality, our identity shapes what we experience on a daily basis. And a large part of what shapes that identity is what we think. And so I, I believe that that message of controlling that dialogue, and there's ways to control the dialogue, so who we surround ourselves with, what we read, what we listen to, the music we listen to all plays a role in shaping that, is something that people like because it's something they can control and give them a sense of self-empowerment, which is a powerful message to carry forward. So what's 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 coming up this year? I always I love this. So you have again, I've seen you speak. I know I know your power and your your special magic that you have. What what do you have planned this year coming up? 2024 is going to be an amazing year on a number of fronts. So I have a book that I have recently completed and I'll be publishing. And this will be more focused on presentation skills and understanding storytelling and how to influence. And this is really primarily based on what I've learned from being associated with some of the greatest presenters in the world. But I break it down into very specific tactics. So I'm quite thrilled to be able to share that with a larger audience. And then I'm also working on a second book called Resilient Leaders, which is really focusing more on what we were just talking about. And that is the ability to manage our performance by incorporating self-care on a daily basis in our routine. And then the other element, of course, is getting out there in terms of in-person events. I've this past year in 2023, I've delivered a number of virtual events, which I continue to do, but I'm really excited to be on stages because as you know, as, as you both know, there's a, there's an incredible energy when you have the opportunity to be face to face and around other like-minded individuals. So I'm looking forward to stages in North America and hopefully around the world. That's great. Yes. That's great. I, and that energy is right. You know, we got to give it away. People take it. They give it back to us. And it's just like a, a whole swirly whirlpool of, of, of good energy. Uh, you know, and I can imagine uh, that that's what I've never obviously Christine has the one, been the one to see you speak. But um, uh, I have not. Uh, the authoring. Is that something that you like to do? You like do you like writing the books, the process of it? How did you tackle that? <laughs> well, the, the first book, I felt I, I needed to leave a legacy because I've had a unique life experience in terms of career-wise that I felt it's a responsibility to share that because I know that presentation scales creates a lot of anxiety for people and it it doesn't have to. So I want to offer some solutions to that. Did I enjoy the process of writing it? No. (laughs) It was exciting. It was exciting when I first started thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to write a book. And then when I got down to it, it was so easy to get distracted and take on other projects. But I'm happy it's done. And now that I know what's involved, this other book that I'm working on, I'm equally passionate about. So 
Hopefully yeah. the process is a little easier. And, well, of course, it's process and it's practice, right? You're 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 further along than you were the first time. So, I, I, you know, I think everybody. I, I'm I'm scared to hell to write a book because I watch Christine go through it. I watch other people go through it, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I want that. Uh, I thought I was a really good yeah. writer until I wrote a book. A, a, f- a friend of mine, and my editor was like. <laughs> Cross out, cross out, cross out. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> a, a friend of mine who has written many books and he co-writes them with his wife and that they're, they have a, a little niche uh, community that they write to and, and, uh, you know, and, and he's into publishing. I think he's, you know, Amazon bestsellers and it's all how-to stuff on, on camping and outdoors. He's great. And he's great. And they just were commissioned to write children's books. Really? And he's like, what the heck have I been doing? He's like, these things are, you know, they're like 400 words when like, you know, <laughs> I have 60,000 words and, and, uh, you know what? And somebody else illustrates it. So he, he was really excited about that. And there's going to be a series. So oh, that's cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was excited, but he's like, nice. you know, yeah, he's like, what, what was I thinking? Like working all that time writing these books, but, uh, it's pretty good. They get, they get some checks, uh, uh you know, quarterly or, you know, semi-annually and, uh, uh you know, it's, it's nice to get, uh, but um yeah so um getting back into the speaking and and getting that energy and all those things do you um vary your routine do you uh how how often do you switch it up are you like a comedian that does their set and <laughs> and then uh and then you know records it and then moves on to new material how does it work well I, what i my my primary focus is to identify really three key areas or topics that would resonate with an audience which typically have been, is more in a business audience. In terms of shaking up the content, it really comes down to understanding the needs of the people that I would present to and addressing specific questions. But I think the one thing that I've realized is that there are so many great presenters out there and, and so many great authors. In essence, their message tends to be the same. And so rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, I think the application of information and delivering it in a way that people can adapt it and more importantly, utilize it on a regular basis is probably the most important thing that I try to focus on. How do I make this relatable to people so that they feel that it is something within their control and that they follow through on it? So am I shaking things up? I try to find ways to be entertaining and engaging from the audience and i look to other presenters i watch a lot of ted presentations i attend other conferences i go to speaking competitions to see what other people are doing to figure out what can i adopt at the end of the day and and i'm sure you as well as your audience would attest to you have to you have to be yourself and find yourself in all of it you have to align with who you are as a person and that energy will find its way and resonate with an audience in a way that has meaning to them as opposed to trying to be just an entertainment figure. I, you know what? I really like that because, mm-hmm. I, you know, all this information and, and you know, there's very little, if anything, that isn't out there already, right? There's no Blue Horizon groundbreaking things really that, you know, we're coming up with. It's it's a lot of the same things, right? You got to be good to yourself. You got to think well, and you got to you know make sure you move your body well, and you've got to you know have a proper mindset and and get enough rest, and you know all these things are really the basics, right? I call them the high five, uh, and and you know so how do you present it in your way? This information that can be sometimes seen as recycled or canned, uh, you know that gets people to act. 
uh, for one, and believe you, I guess, is another. And and you know, and and just make sure that that comes across as not just like okay, you know, the deal, like you know, like a college professor that's just going whiteboard on it and just slapping stuff up there. This is how it is. Go good luck. You know, test on Friday. Um, you, you know, you understand where I'm going with that. I think I do. So I, I believe there is a number of keys to being able to create engagement with an audience. And so the first one is to first and foremost is to know who your audience is. And I that might sound obvious, but you would be surprised how many events over those three decades that I've been with where presenters would come on stage and not have a clue of who was in that room and use examples that were culturally not appropriate or were not even aware of what is the the norm within the country that they were speaking at. So take time to know your audience. Find out from the organizers if you're working with an organization, organization or just do some homework on that front. Your audience will respect you for that so much because they'll recognize that you're there to create value, which, is got, which has to be your number one mission or vision statement whenever you get in front of an audience. The second part is to understand how are you going to make a difference in their lives? Because there's an expectation what somebody listens to you that you're going to help them somehow. So what's the value proposition? What's the promise you're going to offer your audience? And, and this will really come down to understanding your expertise and being able to solve the problem that the audience may have. And so make sure that the content is relevant and for that particular audience. And the third side of it, of course, is how you deliver it. And there's been a lot of great research in neurolinguistic programming, for example, or neuroscience to understand how to create rapport and trust with your audience so that they are tuned into your message as opposed to tuning out. And that's a huge part of it. And then that also includes elements of entertainment. And that really helps with storytelling aspects of getting your message across. And the other part, of course, is being able to demonstrate the information in terms of how it can be relatable to your audience. So using quotes from famous people to back up key points, any type of demonstration you can do to get an audience involved with an exercise of sorts so that they can feel like they're actually utilizing the information and get benefit of it. And then being able to tell stories of other individuals who've gone down similar paths in a way that can really allow the audience to take a break while they're listening to you, while their subconscious mind tries to make sense of what the storyline is, which is what our subconscious mind is always doing, is trying to make sense of what's going on around us. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I've noticed in great presenters, I, in my book I call it the DNA of great storytellers, they incorporate all of those elements beautifully. It's almost like an, a conductor in an orchestra. And by the time you they end their presentation, you feel like you want you you've had value delivered to you, and then you want to get more value from them. That's and that's where you deliver. Sorry, that's when you gain respect and also sustainability in terms of maintaining contact with your audience. I answered it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And you can't fake it. People know. That's true. I would yeah, say. People are educated. Yeah. People are educated. Yeah. I'm sure you, you've seen it too, where you go and see speakers different, you know, different years or in different places, and it's the same exact 
stories. <laughs> Regurgitation. And the same exact quotes. And I'm like, one of the things that, that I, pro- I always prompt, well, this is why we're the two fit crazies, is that I always say it's really important, too, as a speaker, and I'll ask you how you feel about this. Um, you need to walk the walk in life. You need to walk the walk. So if you're going to be out there talking about, you know, resiliency and and do this and do amazing things, like you better get your butt out there and I want to see what amazing things that you're doing. And it could, I mean, it doesn't have to be physical. It could be, are you volunteering? Are you talking about giving back? What are, what is it that you're doing to, you know, and really, you know, when you talk about that DNA and that trust, I want to know, you know. I heard you speak five years ago. I don't want to hear that same story five years later of the exact same thing. Like, what is it now, five years forward, that has, you know, that is the thing. Um, you know, I was I was telling a story the other day about how, and Brian and I have have a um, have sons that are the same age and they're friends. And his son was sleeping over my house with a group <laughs> of boys for New Year's Eve. And I was I was talking to someone the other day, telling them the story of how different it is now, because I had six like teenage boys walk into my house New Year's Eve, all with monitors or play systems uh, or you know something under their arms. My kid did that. I don't I don't know I'm what kidding. he brought. I think he had a bag of like Doritos and the most. And he's so healthy that I was like, Does your dad know that you just have a bag of garbage? You gotta to let eat? him. You gotta let him roam free. So, it, you know what I was saying? I'm like, you know. I don't know, six, seven, eight, ten, fifteen years ago, that wasn't the case. Like it was just a whole different viewing of you know, I never saw people walk in with monitors. But like <laughs> that wasn't it wasn't a thing. It would there was no video games or what and you know, I, I think of that as just an example of are you relevant? Are you with the times? Are you, you know, relating to what's going on? And I'm wondering what you've seen and you know, how you feel about that as a speaker in terms of charting one's growth and evolution i think it's really important to be able to do that and brene brown refers to it the concept of being vulnerable as far as recognizing that even as thought leaders we may have had measures of success that we've been able to demonstrate and share with individuals. And at the same time, we are going to have failures and failure is actually a good thing because that's how experience is, is garnered. So I think being able to along the journey, however, you're, whatever story you are trying to tell and whatever message you're trying to get across is to always be open to sharing the information that the audience is going to say this is a real person and it's okay. The The underlying message delivered at that point, in my opinion, is that a little bit of humility goes a long way, a long, a long way, excuse me. And the fact that no matter how hard you try and no much, no matter how much preparation you put in, there are going to be some instances where things don't go your way. And, and, and those moments are okay to share and open. In a, in a public sphere. So I think to answer your question, while we always want to be polished and and create the best value for our audience, sometimes the additional value, the added value, if you will, is created just by being straight up honest. So 
Yusuf, as we come to an end of our show today, I want to make sure that we can that we can really help and support you the best that we can. And the books, let's let's start with the books. So first book, what is the title? The first book is called The DNA of Great Storytellers. And the subtitle is How to Learn Communication and Presentation Skills from the Best Presenters on the World in the on the world in the world, excuse me. Okay, because I definitely want a copy when that comes out. Yes. When when is that supposed to come out? Well, so speaking of being oh, vulnerable, geez. I've had it. To, <laughs> I've had a number of people read it uh, to validate the content and the information. So it is done. My goal, speaking of goals, okay. would be to get it out by March of this year. Okay. Okay. That's it. All right. That's because close. we, we want to make sure that we can promote that and, and, you know, share that on our social media platforms and, and whatnot. So put us on the, uh, put us on the list of, you know, as a, as an author, I know what those, I know how important those reviews are, those <laughs> Amazon reviews and all those fun things. So, uh, definitely keep us in the know and we'll send that information out to our listeners and you said, so we're going to do that one first. And then the other one, what, what's going on with that with timeline? We're in a rough draft stage. Okay. Yeah. So I would, I would anticipate the end of this year would be a good timeline. All right. So we'll one at a time now. So we'll go one at a time and we'll re we'll circle back to you so we can help promote when the second one comes out. I think Stephen King used to just like lock himself in a house oh, like somewhere in Maine and just like crank <laughs> him out. You know, I don't know. I'm not suggesting. Seemed to work for him. Uh, you know, he's an interesting. I want you to live your life, though, oh, Yusuf. My. Please <laughs> don't let this book get in well, the way of living. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, every time I sit down to lock myself in a room, I end up going to the fridge and grabbing a piece of cake. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Oh. Right? I think Bukowski uh, used cake too, right? <laughs> no, maybe you not. Gotta have a little reward. <laughs> yeah, of course. So tell tell our listeners. Where can they go to to learn more about you and your speaking and, you know, maybe book you for the biggest event in the entire world? <laughs> sure. Happy go. to share. The, the best way to find out more about me is just go to my website. It is resilientleaders.ca. Resilient. So resilient. Got it. Leaders, all one word, mm -hmm. dot .ca. All right. I love it. Resiliency is something we just need a little bit more of these days, right? Uh, Resilientleaders.ca, everybody. I, I coach high school kids, and and we call them the COVID kids, and I talk to other coaches, and it's like resilience is just something that they aren't don't have very much of right now. Um, so it's it's some do, some don't, but more don't than, <laughs> than do, and it's an interesting time. Yusuf, um, I'm going to ask you before we go one little golden nugget that you would love to share with our audience um, about the DNA of storytelling. Because we talk to a lot of people who want to be speakers and get these big gigs and they're like, why aren't I successful yet? And I'm like, you just started. Mm -hmm. um, Anything, any little piece of advice, because before they read your book, don't give it all away, but any little piece of advice that you want to give? Thank you for asking that question. I would suggest let your personality shine through whatever stage you're on. I think we have a tendency to be 
come across as being professional or utilize certain corporate speak and being, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not a good thing, but I'm saying like voice qualities, intonation, sense of humor, energy is such a huge part of being a great presenter. Bring those, bring the best of you that people like and comment about you on a regular basis. And if you're not sure what those things are, then ask your friends and your family and say, you know, what's great about my personality? There's nothing wrong with asking that question. Let them tell you what's great about your personality and then showcase that when you have an audience. That's awesome. Beautiful. And you notice that's why we have this podcast and people always come on and they're like, you guys are so laid back. I'm like, this is who we are. This is who we are. We're bringing exactly who we are to you and the show every day. So if you want a just very rigid questions that's not fun, this is not your place. So as you were saying that, Yusuf, I was like, yeah, I do curse a little bit too much. <laughs> you know, that was me. <laughs> Be you. OK. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, it has been um, such a wonderful, wonderful time. I we just can't uh, can't thank you enough for taking your time to join us today on the show. And and happy new year, Yusuf. Well, thank you both for this opportunity. I'm so grateful for it. Of course, Happy New Year to you. It's going to be an amazing year. Mm -hmm. Before you know it, it'll be 2025. So let's make the most of this one. That's the truth. Oh, my goodness. Well, more to come, books to come. And with that said, it is Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.